All right, take your Bible, turn with me back again to Romans chapter 8, please, tonight. Romans chapter number 8. It's been good to be here in this meeting this week, and God sure has met with us and been better than good to us, hadn't He? God's good to us all the time, but I like it when it's real evident, real obvious, and we're real aware of it, and this week we've been real aware of it. And all the singing has been just perfect. The congregational singing is just as good, too. I like that. I like to watch you sing. Honestly, and uh, I'll turn over, except for these fellows, I'm sitting for these, the ugliest men in the building up here on the front row. But that's why I sat there. It made me feel pretty good about myself. But anyway, I told him I left my phone down there because I never bring my cell phone to the pulpit. I'm actually against that. In my opinion, in my opinion, bringing a cell phone to the pulpit is as bad as using screens as you preach and things. So uh, it's, a, it's a slippery slope. That cell phone's a screen last time I checked, and he had it right here in the pulpit. And uh, just pray about that, if you would. I'm against it. But anyway, I said, don't steal my phone. I've been, it's just my honor to be with you. Thank you, preacher, for the hotel room and just for being my friend. I appreciate that. He's not up here. He left. He had fake money for the offering. Maybe he went to go put it in there. He said one of his, maybe his your boy brought it up to him. Yeah, okay. Had fake money. He said, this is your love offering. I said, that's more than I got last year. I'm doing pretty good. <laughs> But we were going through the Atlanta airport, and I told uh, Pastor Trebro, I said, this is where Brother Gravely and I met. It was right here at this, uh, this gate in, in the airport many years ago. And I uh, appreciate his friendship, and he's a blessing to me. And I appreciate my pastor. I'm glad he could come and be with me this year. And uh, God answered my prayer this afternoon, and, and he used you tonight in a great way, and I appreciate that. My prayer was this. I, I think God used him this morning, but I wanted God to let him... And preach to you like he does at home. And that's what I felt like tonight, like you were at home. And I appreciate that message. I never would have thought God would have hitched my wagon to his, that's for sure. It's amazing. I mean, I'm from West Virginia. I mean, we don't have cell phone service there or anything. And, uh, and I speak like you do, and he doesn't speak English. And... Um, it's, it's difficult. But anyway, it's been good. It's been, God's just done that. And I'm honored to get to serve with him. And appreciate that. I'm glad I get to serve with you all. And thank you for your faithfulness and just being faithful to God. I want God to speak to our hearts tonight. I've been preaching on Wednesday nights at our church from Romans 8 for several weeks. And now we're in Luke 5. But Romans 8, God was dealing with my heart in this chapter. And I just want to continue on. We went to verse 31 last night. And I want to read verse 33 through the end of the chapter tonight. And we'll uh, finish out this chapter. And I'll give you the thought. And I want it to be an encouragement to you. And appreciate all the preaching. And I've been able to watch it online before we came in and then watched this afternoon and heard all the preaching, Brother Fallor and Brother McBride and others preach and appreciate that. And it's honored to preach with you. And Brother Fallor, I watch you online almost every week and uh, try to steal your sermons. And, and, but I can't. I can't preach like that. And I don't try to steal yours, Brother McBride, because I can't preach like that. I know I can't, but I appreciate you. And listen, it's, it's amazing what God will let you do. I've listened to these men. I've been preaching 16 years. I've only been saved a little over 16 years, but long before anybody knew who I was, I listened to these men preach. And uh, it's amazing how God will let you get places you never thought he'd let you go. I remember going down to Boiling Springs and just because they give you a free hotel room at Gateway and get to go and I'd hear Brother McBride preach and other people like, nobody knew who I was. I just sat on the back row. And uh, just places like, never thought God let me do what he's let me do. 
Brother Hugh, you remember that we started about this. It's amazing what God will let you do. If you just stay in His will. I see all these young men right here. I mentioned you last night. But I, I wish you'd just find God's will and do it. Give it all that you got. And serve the Lord. We need more. We don't need less preachers. That's for sure. And I uh, pray for you. Romans chapter number 8, verse 33. If you're able to stand, would you stand with me? I know it's been a, a long evening. I won't preach very long. 20 minutes or so. And uh, 30 minutes maybe. Maybe 45. But anyway, we'll be, we'll be quick. B.R. Lakin said, you'll never have revival as long as you're running God by a clock and a calendar. He said, we used to have revival. He said, now it's one or two days. He said, we used to say, we'll start on this date and just go until victory comes. And uh, I'm not going to do that, so don't get nervous. I hope victory comes in a hurry. But I want God to meet with us tonight. Romans chapter number 8, verse 33. The Bible said, who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again. Who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded... That neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I mentioned it last night that this is an entire chapter of exhortation and encouragement to these embattled believers. And Paul has gone through the chapter and he's divided it up with sonship and suffering and now he closes it out by dealing with the topic of security. There wasn't a whole lot of security in the life of these believers. Not very stable, very insecure. And he said, there's a lot of things that might be stripped from you and a lot of things that might be taken from you. There's a lot of things that you might be separated from. He said, but I want to leave you before I close out this chapter with something that you'll never be separated from. Something that will never be taken away from you. Something that you'll never have to worry. Is it there or is it not there? It's always going to be there. And he said, I'm persuaded. He said, I was persuaded. I am persuaded. You can check back tomorrow. I'm still going to be persuaded. That there is nothing that can separate your eye from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. He asked several different questions as you go through these last seven or so verses. And tonight I want to try to encourage your heart and preach on this thought. There is no who, no how, no way, no what, no when, no never that can separate you from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. Lord, I pray that you'd help us tonight. Please encourage our hearts about who you are and your love for us that's in Christ. I pray that you'd stir the hearts of these people. Thank you for our friends. Thank you for Brother Gravely. I pray that you'd bless him and his ministry. And I pray that you'd move tonight. Be glorified is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. I have a little boy. He's five years old now. He's five going on 15. But anyway, Lincoln is his name. And uh, Lincoln's a bow hunter and a Bass Pro Shop aficionado. And he's, he's awesome. Last summer, we got access to a, and I hate to say this, you'll probably tune me out, but we got access to a swimming pool, and it was private, and I swam in my sweatshirt and my sweatpants, so don't get nervous. But uh, we had access to a swimming pool. 
Lincoln is only five years old, so Lincoln, he can't swim or anything like that. And he doesn't mind it because he gets to wear those floaties on his arms, and he thinks those are his muscles. And in fact, he'd wear them to school if we'd let him. So he'd wear his muscles there in the pool, and he'd just float around. Every point of that pool was over his head. After a while, we, I got in, in the water with him, and it, and it was private, and I was wearing my sweatshirt and my sweatpants and my socks, so don't worry about it. But anyway, I got in, in gloves. I think I had on gloves, too, and, and my hair was even combed and tapered and things. But anyway, I got in the water with him, and I talked him into uh, taking off the floaties. He was scared to death because he can't swim, and I said, don't worry about it. I'm going to hold on to you. And we got in that pool together, and I held on to him. Every point of that pool was over his head. He had no ability at any point in that pool to keep himself from sinking. His security in and of himself was inadequate to keep him safe. But you know what happened? He didn't sink. He was safe above the level of the water. You know why? Because at no point did his security in that pool depend upon his strength to keep him safe. But while he was in that pool, he was wrapped in the arms of his father. And his security did not depend upon him. And though that pool at every point was over his head, there wasn't a point in that pool that was over mine. And I kept him safe in my arms and he found out that he was secure. I want you to know tonight, maybe you struggle with it, maybe you don't, but there is not a single point in salvation that is not over your head. Every point of salvation is too deep for you. But I'm glad my security in salvation does not depend upon my security or my ability to keep myself safe, but I'm glad I'm wrapped up tight in the arms of my father. Every point of my suffering is too deep for me. There's no way I can keep my head above the waters of the suffering that I deal with in my life. But I'm glad my security and my suffering does not depend upon my stature in my suffering. It depends upon my Savior that wraps me in His arms and keeps me above water level in my suffering. Every point of life is too deep for me. I don't know how to navigate the waters of life, but I'm glad to know that my safety and my security has no dependability upon my stature in this life. But I'm glad I'm wrapped in the arms of my Father and my safety and my security does not depend upon my ability to keep myself afloat. But I'm safe in the arms of God. It's been said that Romans is like the diamond ring of the Bible. And if that be true, then chapter 8 is the glisten upon that diamond. As we come to Romans 8, I believe we reach the peak and the summit of Paul's correspondence to this church in Rome. I've said it already, but this is a chapter of encouragement to an embattled Christian. This chapter does not hide the reader from the fact of adversity, but also it does not leave the reader without the assurance that God will help us overcome in our adversity. I thank God for verse number 37 that says, Nay, in all these things, he said, we are more than conquerors because Jesus Christ is on our side. And here Paul's pen is guided by the Holy Ghost of God and gives us a chapter to stir up the faith and steady the heart of the Christian in overwhelming opposition. Now, I don't know if you understand this yet or not, but if you live any time at all in this life, you're going to face some seasons of overwhelming opposition. But I'm glad when you're overwhelmed, it's not over your head because I'm glad God keeps us above the level of that water. Paul introduces this chapter with the phrase. And that phrase is in Christ Jesus. He comes out of the starting gate and says there is now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. That's a pretty good way to start off a meeting to remind everybody you start out in Christ. But he doesn't 
just commence the chapter in Christ. He concludes the chapter in Christ as well. He opened it up saying you're in the Lord and he closes it out by saying you're in the Lord. What he's saying is it's Jesus at the starting gate. It's Jesus through the journey and it's Jesus on into eternity. It's Jesus at the beginning. It's Jesus in the middle and it's Jesus at the end. It was Jesus that got you started. It's Jesus that sees you through and it's Jesus as the ages roll. You want to talk about a good dose of encouragement. You just remember it starts with Jesus. It goes on with Jesus and throughout eternity it's Jesus. There's no point along the journey where it depends on my strength or yours. There's no day where it depends on my ability but I'm glad at all seasons and every moment that it's all about him. It was him at the starting gate. It was him on the trip and it's him throughout eternity in Christ as we consider Romans 8 and break down these 39 verses. I believe the chapter is divided into three sections that center on three promises. There's a section on our sonship. I mentioned it uh, last night. There's our section a section on suffering and then there's a section on security. In verse 1 through 16 Paul deals with our sonship. He talks about the fact that we are in Christ. There's no condemnation. The Holy Spirit of God lives within and now we cry out to the Lord Abba Father. You might be here tonight and not much have much of an earthly family. You might not have an earthly father. You might not have an earthly brother. You might not have much of a family down here but I'm glad when you got born again you got birthed into a family unlike any other family. I'm glad I'm a part of the family of God. I'm glad I'm a son of the Most High. A joint heir with Christ. My name is written on the in the Lamb's Book of Life. I got a mansion on streets of gold. Thank God for our sonship. In verse 17 through 30, he deals with suffering. He deals with the glory in our suffering. With God in our suffering. And with the goal of our suffering. I'm glad tonight that nothing rose into my life but what it has a purpose from the very hand of God. I'm glad there's a goal in my suffering. I'm glad God's in my suffering and I'm glad he'll get some glory uh, through my suffering. Tonight you might be in the furnace. Hey listen you just go ahead and you pass that test and you mark her down that God's got a point to all the pressures of life and there's a goal and there's glory in God in your suffering. Then we come to verse 31 through verse number 39. This section deals with our security. In these closing verses Paul is acting as a shepherd and he's leading these people to the perfect pasture for this season in their life. They didn't have a whole lot of security. They probably didn't feel very safe day by day. A lot of things in their life were kind of upside down. So Paul leads them by the still waters of blessed assurance and said you drink till you're full. He gives them these closing verses that provide the Christian with an anchor of security. You see in the last lines of Romans 8 there's a testimony given that not only are we saved for all eternity but we're inseparable from the love of God even in time. That word secure means to free from danger and to keep. It means to get a hold of and to keep possession. That word inseparable means incapable of being parted, incapable of being divided, permanently bonded together. Tonight, here's what my prayer is. My prayer is like Paul's was. I want God to 
give us some reassurance that there's no way, there's no who, there's no what, there's no when, there's no how, no never that can separate you and I from the love of God. There might be some things you lose along the way. There might be some things severed from your life. There might be some places you go and some things might be absent. But I don't care who you are. I don't care what you've done. I don't care where you're from. If you're in Christ Jesus, you got this promise that you'll never have a moment. There'll never be a time when you're separated from the love of God in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now tonight, you're not going to get this based on your emotion. That's the problem with too many Christians. They live by feelings and not by faith. And that's why they doubt their salvation. And that's why they doubt their call to preach. And that's why they doubt the will of God. But this is an arena that you can only venture into on the avenue of faith in God. You say, what is faith? Faith is simply taking God at his word. Now we talked about it last night. In verse 31, we found out God is for us. But I came back tonight to say, not only is God for us, but God is perpetually, God is eternally, God is forever and always for the child of God. Here we find Paul at his most eloquent and through inspiration, he yields that brush of language and paints one of the most beautiful pictures in the entirety of the word of God. Here's the conclusion of the matter. Here's the theme of the text. The love of God in Christ Jesus is forever stuck to the child of God. You can't escape it. You can't outrun it. You can't get unhitched from it. You can't get loose from it. It's there every step of the journey. You notice about the love of God in Christ. It's a concentrated love. When we talk about the love of God, you find it in the Lord Jesus Christ. We're not talking about a fuzzy feeling. We're not talking about a new age aura. We're not talking about some emotional experience. We're talking about a person. The love of God was poured out for you and I on the cross of Calvary as Jesus shed his spotless blood for the sins of man. The love of God is found in the person of Christ. Not only is it concentrated, but I'm glad it is consistent. I'm glad the love of God does not weaken or wane. It doesn't waver. It doesn't wobble on the axle. But I'm glad the love of God is always consistent. I'm glad you can't count on the weather, but you can count on the one who makes the weather. I'm glad the love of God. I'm glad he doesn't take his love from me. I'm glad he doesn't lessen his love toward me. I'm glad he doesn't alter his love toward me. But it's there as sure as God is on the throne. It's concentrated. It's consistent. And it is constant. What a truth it is that God so loved the world to give us salvation. Oh my, but what a truth it is that God so loves us still to keep us secure. I'm sure glad he died for me on the cross of Calvary. That's a great display of love. Oh, but what manner of love is this? That he keeps on loving me. Though I fail him, though I fall, though I falter, I'm glad he doesn't renege. I'm glad he doesn't nullify the contract. I'm glad the love of God is there. I'm secure in my Savior. I think about the song that says, Oh, love that will not let me go. I rest my weary soul in thee. Tonight, I want to remind you that the love of God intrudes upon your tribulation. It invades upon your distresses. It trespasses in your persecution. It's your feast in famine. It's your peace in peril. It's your adorning in nakedness. And it's your shield against the sword. When you got born again, here's what the Lord did. Christ makes God the Father and the believer inseparable by 
by that unbreakable band of his love. As, she, as Jesus hung on the cross at Calvary, it was more than hands outstretched to wood. It was a hand of reconciliation that was reached out to fallen man on one side and reached out to God the Father on the other side. And when Jesus cried, it is finished and gave up the ghost. In essence, he said, whosoever will, he took God the Father and fallen man together. And now thank God, I'm lassoed by his love. I'm wrapped up in his love. I'm bound by his love. I'm in bondage to his love. I'm caged in by his love. I'm branded by his love. His banner over me is love. He drew me with cords of a man and pans of love. I tell you what my motto is. I tell you what my standard is. I tell you what my MO is. It is the love of God in Christ Jesus. It's the, it's the love of God on Monday. It's the love of God on Tuesday. It's the love of God on Wednesday. It's the love of God on Thursday. It's the love of God on Friday. It's the love of God on Saturday. It's the love of God on Sunday. It's the love of God when I'm up and it's the love of God when I'm down. It's the love of God when I'm holy. It's the love of God when I sin. It's the love of God when I pray. It's the love of God when I can't pray. It's the love of God when I'm sick and it's the love of God when I'm well. It's the love of God when I got money. It's the love of God when I'm broke. There's never a time. There's never a moment. There's no who. There's no how. There's no when. There's no way. No never that you can be separated from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. How deep the Father's love for us. How vast beyond all measure. The love of God is there. The love of God is there. The love of God is there. Like oxygen in the atmosphere or salt in the sea or stars in the sky. In fact, you take the most constant thing you know in this temporal realm and the love of God far surpasses the consistency of the most constant thing that man can comprehend on the face of eternity. You'll find there's not a second that ticks off that God doesn't love his children. Thank God. He doesn't work by clock or calendar. But if there was a calendar in eternity on every date, on every page, every day, it would say, I think I'll love him still. I think I'll love him still. I think I'll love him still. Can I say that's not based on me? I didn't merit that. I tell you, he loves me, not because of me. He loves Jesus. And I just got in on the love he has for Jesus. When I got in Christ, I got in something pretty good. God doesn't love me because of Justin. He loves me because of Jesus. Jesus. Thank God I traded a lot of things and I got a lot of good things. I traded my wrath for his mercy. I traded my condemnation for his justification. And when I got birthed in the family of God, I got that propitiation. I got that atonement. I got reconciled. And now my, my, my life story is in Christ Jesus. There's nothing good in me and there's nothing good in you. God's good to you on the merits of Jesus Christ. You're saved because of Jesus Christ. You're going to heaven cause of Jesus Christ. You get your prayer answered cause of Jesus Christ. God uses you cause of Jesus Christ. There was a day when you and I waded into the water of the Lord and who he is and when he saved your sorry soul from hell and saved my soul from hell, I got grafted in. I got to be a block in the building. I'm a branch on the vine. I'm part of the body. I'm in the bride and every good thing in my life is cause I'm in the Lord Jesus Christ. And because of that, there's no who, no how, no way, no when, no never. Nothing can separate me from the love of God. 
The love of God was there in Eden when Adam fell, when Adam and Eve fell and plunged humanity into sin. I'm glad God didn't forsake them, but there he came in the cool of the day and he cried out for Adam. The love of God was there. The love of God was there in the flood when Noah stood for righteousness. The love of God was there in the wilderness as Moses led God's people through. The love of God was there for David when he was on the run from Saul. The love of God was there for Elijah. He thought he was the only preacher left and there was a still small voice out of nowhere that said, you're not the only one. I got 7,000 others. About time to get up and go preach some more. Can I say the love of God was there for Job. The devil beaten and battered and bloody Job. He's a broken man. His life is in the, the squall of bitterness. He doesn't just sit at the altar. He crawls upon his altar. A living sacrifice. Everything stripped away. But you know what he found? Where sin was. Thank God grace did much more abound. The love of God was there. In Babylon, Daniel discovered the love of God is there. In Moab, Naomi found the love of God is there. At the tomb, Lazarus found the love of God was there. On Patmos, John heard a voice like a trumpet and he turned around and found the love of God is there. On that on that hill called Calvary, a thief condemned to die looked to the man in the middle and said, Lord, he said, I want to go where you're going. And he looked at him and said, today shalt thou be with me in paradise. And the love of God was there. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Behold what manner of love the, fa the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Thank God the love of God is not a relic for the museum. It doesn't have an expiration date. There's no contingency. There's no time stamp. It's not corrupting. It hadn't spoiled. It hadn't fallen apart. It's still just as rich and just as real and just as relevant in this generation as it ever was. Here's what I'm saying. You might not be secure in some things. There might be a lot of insecurity in your life, but there's one thing you can take to the bank. There's one thing you can bet eternity on. There's one thing you don't have to wonder if it's there. Thank God nothing can separate you and I from the love of God in Christ Jesus. The love of God is greater far than tongue or pen could ever tell. It's there at the home where there's heartache. It's there in the hospital where there's sickness. It's there in the hurting hours in your family. It's there with you at the cradle. It stands with you at the crossroads and it'll see you through at the casket. The love of God hears every groan. The love of God sees every tear. The love of God knows every need. It's inexhaustible, immeasurable, unexplainable, and inescapable. It's inseparable. The love of God is what provided Christ for the sinner. The love of God is what drew the sinner to Christ. The love of God is what made the sinner a saint and it's the love of God that guides the saint over the shore to glory I'm glad the love of God doesn't flee in the battle I'm glad it doesn't run in the time of storm I'm glad it doesn't flinch under the heavy burden and I'm glad it doesn't abandon me when I sin tonight there is no how there is no who there is no when there is no what and no never that can separate you or I from the love of God 
Now Paul's pinning this and signing his amen from personal experience past and present. Paul tried it all. Not by choice. Paul had been through it all. He'd been imprisoned. He'd been stoned. He'd been shipwrecked. He'd been hated and slandered. His life had been threatened. And here's what he discovered. He said, I discovered whenever I was stoned, God loved me still. When I was in prison, God loved me still. In hunger I found, God loved me still. In slander I discovered, God loved me still. In the sea I discovered, the love of God was my buoy. I discovered when all else forsook me, the love of God was there. And now he's writing to these Roman Christians. Christians in a very insecure season and said here's one thing that's secure the love of God in your life I can imagine a Roman Christian mother as she'd go out and walk the streets at night worried over her children God how am I going to raise a family in this corrupt city how am I going to raise a family for God in this generation God my husband's been taken away I can see as that Roman Christian man worries how am I going to provide for my family how am I going to make it through we don't have much security in this life but oh happy day when the mailman dropped off a letter from Paul and they discovered their security wasn't in government anyhow and their security wasn't in a dollar bill anyhow and their security wasn't in their wealth anyhow but they discovered there's a God in heaven that said I anchored you to my love when you got saved and nothing's going to take that away Jeremiah 3 31 3 yeah have I loved thee with an everlasting love and let me give you some points we'll be through. If you look at the last seven verses, he asks, if you want to just categorize it, basically six questions. And he mentions six things. He said, can any of these six things separate you from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus? Number one, he asks this, is there any person out there that can separate you from the love of God? Look at verse 33 and 34. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect. It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died. Yea, rather, that is risen again. Who is even at the right hand of God who also maketh intercession for us? Here's what he's doing. He said, I want to present you with some questions to help you understand the point I'm trying to make. He said, I'm going to ask you several things and then you answer it with me. He said, number one, I want to ask you, is there any person out there that can separate you from the love of God? Now, he's not saying there's not going to be some that tried. He's just saying there's not going to be any that can get the job done. Can I say there might be some people that tried. They might drag your sin back up from the gutter. They might throw it in your face. They might even try to take it to God. But can I say our Bible encourages us that we have the atonement and then we have the advocate in those two verses and I'm glad when they come to accuse me I can introduce them to my advocate and he can walk them over to my atonement and say his sins are forgiven. They're not going to be remembered anymore. Thank God there's no person out there that can separate you and I from the love of God. I'm glad the devil can't get my salvation. I'm glad the I'm glad they can't get my salvation. I'm glad I'm saved and secure. There's no person. Number two, there's no problem. Look at verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Now just a big blanket term problem. Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? He said, let me just give you a list of things, things you'll face in life. He said, not a one of these things can take you from the love of God. Amen. You might not love your situation, but there's love in your situation. Amen. 
There's no sin. There's no season. There's no station in life that's going to separate you from the love of God. Yes. You say, well, I don't know. My family's really struggling right now. That doesn't mean God doesn't love you. You say, but we lost a loved one. That doesn't mean God doesn't love you. You say, but I got people just cussing me right now. That doesn't mean God doesn't love you. There's no problem out there. No person. Number three, there's no point in life separates you from the love of God. Look what it said in verse 38. It says, for I am persuaded that neither death nor life. Now for the Christian, life is sometimes worse than death because we know where we're going when we die. He said, I don't know how hard your life is going to be and I don't know what you're facing in life, but you mark her down. There's not a moment in life you'll be separated from the love of God. He said, but not only that, I'm glad when death comes that death does not separate you from the love of God. Can I say sometimes I feel like maybe we're too attached to this world. Sometimes we get too anchored down here and that's why we're so discouraged and that's why we're so defeated and that's why we're so depressed and we forget this world's not our home. There's a better land and there's a better country and here's the promise of God. You don't have to fear the grave. You don't have to weep with no hope. You don't have to have trepidation over eternity. Thank God the love of God that got you in is going to see you through. I like what he says. He said there's nothing nothing's present nor things to come. He doesn't talk about your past because you don't have one of those if you're a Christian. You don't have to worry about what was yesterday. Thank God I'm glad death is just a doorway to paradise for the child of God. I remember my, 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 my grandma got cancer. A tumor in her brain and went blind because of it. So my wife moved in with them while I would travel and take care of them. My grandpa got dementia. He was a preacher till he got dementia and wasn't able to function anymore, so he had to quit. Every time I'd go to his house, he never would call me by my name anymore. After I surrendered to preach, he just called me preacher. I'd walk in and say, hey, preacher. Hey, preacher. Every time we'd go to the store, I'd take him to the store and he'd tell everybody, this, this, this is my grandson. He's a famous evangelist. That's what he'd always say. And I didn't tell him anything different. And I was like, he's right. But I remember they were, my grandma got that cancer and ate her bones away and just pitiful. I was driving to a meeting in Pennsylvania and got a phone call from my mom saying, Mamaw's about ready to pass away. So we turned around and went back because I was going to do her funeral. I wanted to be there for everything. I remember going back, got to their little brick house my grandpa had built. He was a coal miner, grew up during the Depression, had nothing. Built a house by his, with his own hands and just so proud of it. I walked in their house. Papa was sitting in his recliner. He was watching gun smoke. He had, every, he had every channel probably you could have, but he just thought he had the Western channel. And uh, we preach against all of those things they do on there, but we watch gun smoke. I don't know why that is. He couldn't hear anything, and you'd walk in his house, and it sounded like people were literally getting shot in the living room so loud. <laughs> he had that dementia, and he had bad sugar and things, so he couldn't have a lot of sweets. And he'd eat ice cream like crazy, and he'd get mad at us because he'd get a bowl of ice cream and forget he got one. And so he'd want another one, and my wife would tell him, Now, Papa, you can have another one. You just had a, he said, I hadn't had a bowl. Here's how he, I hadn't had the first bowl. That's how he'd always say it. And then he'd sneak back in there and get him a bowl and it'd be about empty. And he'd say, who in the world's eating all my ice cream? We'd say, you are eating your ice cream. I walked in there and he's in his recliner and he said, hey, preacher, what you doing? I said, well, I just came to check on you and see Mamma." He said, yeah, she's back there getting ready. He thought she was getting ready to go to church. He had, he had no idea what was happening. I said, let me go back there and see what she's doing. And I walked down that long hallway in their home, <clears throat> went into that bedroom down the right, right side of the hallway and 
My mom was in there and her sister and her brothers. My grandma was laid out there in a hospice bed, about 70 pounds, just skin and bones. We just stood there. Nobody really said anything. And I heard feet shuffle down the hallway. And if you've ever been around somebody with dementia, you know how they walk. They shuffle. And I could hear him coming down the hallway. And I've heard people say this, but I never believed it until it happened. When he stepped across that threshold, it was like God gave him his mind back. It was like he's a preacher again. He walked in there. And he looked down at Mamma, she'd have been his wife 60 years. If she'd lived one more week, they'd had 60 years. And he took his hand. It was all black on the back from bruising from his medicine and shook. And he pushed her hair back on her forehead. Her hair was white as my shirt, pushed it back. He leaned over and cried and kissed her on the forehead and said, Honey, you don't feel good, do you? Of course, she didn't respond. He said, If you want to go home without me, it's okay. He said, because I know if I don't see you in the morning, I'll meet you on the shores of glory. And he looked across her body at me and said, Preacher, would you say something? I didn't know what to say. My uncle started singing, There'll be no sorrow there. No more burdens to bear. No more sickness, no pain. No more parting over there. What a day that'll be when my Jesus I shall see. And as we sang, what a day that'll be when my Jesus I shall see. Mamaw got to see him for the first time. Crossed on over to the other side. Can I tell you something? We had her funeral. My grandpa, papa, he died about a year later. But I know where they're at right now. And I'm glad tonight there's no how, no who, no when, no what, no never. Don't separate you and I from the love of God. There's no power. There's no place. He said there's nothing, period, that can separate us from the love of God. Here's what Paul said. I'm persuaded. I'm just going to wind it down. I'm persuaded. He's saying I used to be persuaded. Been through some things. I am persuaded. I'm going through some things. And you check back tomorrow and I'll tell you this. I'm still going to be persuaded. There ain't nothing out there that's going to separate you and I from the love of God in Christ Jesus. You're here tonight and you struggle with your salvation. It's not because the Lord can't keep you saved. You can't get yourself unsaved if you got saved. If you were called to preach, you're called to preach. Amen. If you're going through it, doesn't mean that God's thrown you out. Amen right there. And I want to encourage you before we leave town, hey, listen, there's nothing out there that can separate you and I from the love of God in Christ Jesus. But the key to it all is first, you've got to be in Christ, in the Lord. Yes. Maybe you're here tonight and you've been going through it. A lot of insecurity, a lot of instability. Well, here's something you can count on to be secure. Something that's stable. Something that's always there. The love of God in your life. And it's not contingent on your love for Him because that changes every day but it's based on His love for Jesus. I'm going to pray, altar be open. Maybe you need to come tonight. Maybe you need to come and get right with God. You've wandered far away from the Lord. Maybe you ought to get right tonight. He loves you still. Maybe you're hurting and burdened and broken. He loves you still. Maybe you've doubted your calling or the will of God. He loves you still. You might be here not born again. You're in this great crowd of people, but you don't know heaven's your home. 
Right now, if that's you, you should step out and come and find out that God loves sinners. He'll save you, brother. Jones preached on this morning. If you'd come right now, would you stand? Everybody stand with me and make it easier on folks to get out. If you want to come pray, would you come pray? But if you're here tonight and you're not born again, you're not saved, you need to come and let us, let us know and we'll have somebody show you how to be born again from the Bible. What about it tonight? If God's spoken to your heart, you come. Lord, I pray you bless this invitation just now. Thank you for the night and the truth that we've already heard. I pray that you'd help us to be, Lord, just convinced of the Bible truth that you love us. By faith, I pray that we just understand that. No doubt the devil has crawled up on somebody's shoulder and said, you're not worthy, you're not worth it. And that's true, but thank God you're worthy. And you thought we were worth it. I pray that you'd encourage your people in Jesus' name. Amen. The altar is open. Why don't you come spend some time in prayer on this night? If God spoke to your heart, you come. If you're not sure you're saved, would you come tonight? If you're not sure heaven's your home, would you come? Maybe you're weary in this thing. Would you come? You have a need? You say, I'm tired of battling with this thing and dealing with this thing. Why don't you come get it settled? There's nothing that separates you from the love of God in Christ. Altar's open. You come.